Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello there and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, your weekly Star Wars podcast, bringing you the latest Star Wars news, review and discussion and our random spotlight. I hope you've all had a great week. This week we've got plenty of Rise of Skywalker news coming up, plus a couple of hilarious little nuggets from the OT years. Uh, Then we're going to speak about some of the Force flash fights that could potentially be coming up uh, in episode 9 and then we've got another lightsaber focused random spotlights. My name's Gary and my co-host as always now, Mark always gives me a nice compliment when he introduces me so I'm going to think of one now for Mark. Let me see. Okay, my, joining me as always, my co-host with the best looking beard ever, it's Mr. Mark Asquith. How are you doing buddy? It's a terrible beard but I appreciate you saying that. I, uh, I, I often, often, often contemplate shaving it off and then often contemplate the complete pain in my backside that it would be getting ID'd for beer and lottery tickets down at Asda. So then I stick with it. And it's a terrible beard compared to yours, mate. You're like Obi-Wan. I'm like the back of Anakin's head when he's a Padawan. (laughs) (laughs) I want to rewind a second and just ask that you still get ID'd when you buy beer. Is that a thing? If I shave my beard off, I do. And I'm like, can you not see this receding hairline? She's like, sorry, love, you do look under 25. And I'm like, do you know what, Lorraine? You and me, we're going to get along. <laughs> Lorraine, you're on first night. I like it. I like it. <laughs> She's great. She's brilliant. She always comes up to me. You know, you know when you get those pesky red lights on the self-service at Asda or Tesco or whatever? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, you again. I don't know what you do to them. Ah, Lorraine, if only you knew. Oh, any excuse to come over, Lorraine, eh? Any excuse. Yeah, I'm just like, just put the spring onions through, Lorraine. Let me get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing this week, dude? I'm fab. Fan Dabby Dursey. Yeah, I'm all good, man. I'm off work at the minute, so the day job is... Uh, I've, I forgot about it for an entire week. It's all good, so I've just chilled out. And uh, I've smashed um, through the Plagueis book, which I've been reading over the last week or so. So I've nearly finished that, so that's all good. Uh, I've watched a bit more of uh, the Clone Wars TV series, so getting through that as well. Uh, and that's about it for Star Warsy stuff. I've been, um, I've, I've bagged the the Dooku audiobook, but I've not started to listen to that just yet. So I'm just going to finish Plagueis, and I'm going to jump on that because now that we have the really cool interactive timeline from Del Rey Books, you can now be as geek as you like and do it in chronological order. Get your OCD uh, rocking and rolling for that. So yeah. A uh, little bit of book stuff, uh, waiting to crash into Dooku, so all good. How about you, man? Anything? I forgot you were off this week. I hope you're having a good time, dude. I hope you're enjoying it and taking a bit of a well-earned rest. Um, I've not been doing much this week. It's been a, a nuts week, so I came back from a week off like last week, so last week just flew past, and uh, we're at Podcast Movement starting the end of next week, so it's like this weird, weird like interim time, but 
it's been kind of just making the most of the downtime. So I finished a little bit of Xboxing, picked up Battlefront again, got my Xbox Live back up and running. And I'm about three quarters of the way, maybe maybe even a bit more than that, of, of the way through that Dooku audiobook, which is really interesting. Um, but I can't wait for you to listen to it because Qui-Gon's voice, and, and it, it is... I, I'm fairly sure that they thought Ireland was in Scotland for the first few lines of his dialogue. <laughs> and then he turns into this, like, Qui-Gon Jinn, Liam Neeson impressionist. He's like, Master, are you sure that you want to go to Coruscant? <laughs> like, even Liam Neeson is not that Irish. <laughs> Dooku, why don't you come over here looking at my lightsaber? Yeah, like, no, get over here, no. <laughs> and Dooku's like, Baduan, I have no idea what you said, but I agree. Oh no! It's and not that's like a why character. he turned to the dark side. He's like, I don't know what Padawan's saying. I'm out of here. <laughs> Leave you must. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not a caricature style thing. Nah, is it? it's not too bad. The worst one is actually Rael Avaros, who's a, book, a character that was first introduced in terms of uh, literature in um, Master and Apprentice, and then introduced immediately after around the well around the same time in in the Dooku book. And he's like this long, drawn out, like Tennessee voice and you're like wait a second like even it's like a famous Doctor Who quote isn't it like every every planet has got a north and you're like wait a minute every every planet does not have a Tennessee what's going <laughs> what's going on with this I, I always find it amazing that they do stuff like that but otherwise man it's been Alphabet Squadron just reading that on the Kindle and then and then like I said the Dooku audio but which is uh it's a wonderful little read it gets a bit slow in the middle uh, but I'll uh Maybe we'll do a review of that fully when you uh, when you finished it. Yeah, sounds good. Do you listen? Do you um? Sorry, do you read most of your books on Kindle now, or do you still pick up the odd physical book? Do you know what? I'm I'm going to tell you a very short version of this. I've normally got five books on the go at once, mm-hmm. and they're all different types. I've always got a Kindle or an electronic book on the go, like Kindle or iPad, which is normally a fiction book. I've normally got an audio book on the go, and then I've normally got a personal development physical paper book and some kind of like tactical. Um, like t- like a tactical marketing book, like almost like a textbook. And then I'm a right pain in the backside for like a big coffee table book, like the Star Wars Atlas that I just read like one page a day or two pages a month or something. So that's like normally how I do it. But most of the books that you and I talk about are either Kindle or um, audiobook. I see. So you've got a nice mix of both. Yeah, I'm just running out of space. What about you? Are you Because I know you're into the physical books. You love those. I do, yeah. I think... Um I went through a phase of, of, of buying a bunch of stuff on Kindle and it's really cool. I love my Kindle because it's very convenient on the plane and whatever. Um, but yeah, I do like the odd, the odd physical, but I think like Star Wars books, I try to pick up the physical just for some bragging rights on the bookshelf really. Um, but yeah, uh, I, um, yeah, I sort of transitioned over to Kindle, I don't know, a couple of years ago now, cause my wife, she, all she ever reads now is Kindle. She never reads physical books. So sort of jumped on the bandwagon a little bit, but it's interesting, but it's comics, I'm going to transition to digital soon because I'm mm-hmm. running out of room the same as you, but yeah, I need to I need your recommendations for a good comic book digital app. Oh yeah. You could get chunky or you could just subscribe to like one of the unlimited services like Marvel Unlimited through Comixology. Uh, it depends what you're after, but like a, a chunky reader is, is really good to download your own stuff into it. I forgot about that. You told me about that years ago. Chunky. Yes. 
We were on the beta, weren't we? we, we can you remember yeah. that? We knew the guy and he was like on, on the Twitter. We were like, yeah, we're celebrities now. We've got a beta on a comics app. Eat that, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's what I remember. God, that's a flashback. You were saying that name, Spark. Yeah. Okay, cool. Anyways, back to Star Wars. Uh, we're going to rattle through some news because uh, we've got a few items to get through. We seem to be having more news as, uh, as we go through each week, dude. It's getting ridiculous. It's getting, it must be because it's coming up to Rise of Skywalker. It's got to be. Like in January, there'll be no news. We're like, yeah, our top three, our top three football teams from the 70s when Star Wars came out are... <laughs> Just really scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah, getting there. <laughs> uh, this week, though, for Ep 17, we have a new ship that's going to be out um, in full force for the Rise of Skywalker. This is the the TIE Dagger, which has just been announced or released, shall I say, via the front cover of a, an upcoming visual dictionary. So DK Publishing, they do these really cool uh, visual dictionaries. I think they've done them for years, going back to uh, The Force Awakens and some other stuff. They do like this uh, really nice, like you said, these coffee book style, coffee table um, books, a very large format, very glossy, loads of pictures and very informative. So the one that's going to be coming up later in the year, I assume, to coincide with The Rise of Skywalker is uh, The Rise of Skywalker, the visual dictionary with exclusive cross-sections. And on the front, uh, in the top left-hand corner, there's a cheeky little picture of the TIE dagger. And initially, I thought this was the the ship that they had in the trailer for The Rise of Skywalker, where Rey is legging it across the desert. And she does that very cool backflip over the ship and whatnot. But uh, I stand corrected. That's a, a slightly different style of ship, but it's very similar. So this essentially is two pizza slices with the Thai cockpit in the middle. Some new tech, dude, for the First Order. Oh, it looks badass as well, man. It looks really cool. It's like almost like the Thai fighter just got mean. And the Thai fighter always are always interesting to me. Like the um, the the juxtaposition of those versus the X-wings always interest me. Like the lack of shields, the lack of an astromech droid, the lack of really any other main weapon system. You know, the X-wings have got a couple and. They always that 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 version of of their ships, and and the fact that the Tie Fighter put the pilot at the centre, whereas the the the, the X Wings always put the team and the squadron at the centre of it. That that always really interests me. But this one is like a just a ten x evolution of it. Just looks so cool. I know we don't know much about it, but just on the cover of that that visual dictionary, it just looks. It's like that thing where the main bad guy turns up and you're like oh that's his ship yeah that's his ship <laughs> that's got to be his ship because it's more badass you know it's cool mm -hmm. man really really cool it is cool yes it's always good to see a little bit because that's one of the cool things about the tech side of either the uh the first order or the empire back in the ot is that they always had the best tech like the rebels were kind of like the the car boot sailie let's just you know get stuff fixed with gaffer tape and some some plasters whereas the the, the money guys, the Empire and First Order, they just throw tons of cash at all the cool tech. So it's really cool to see um, that not stopping in terms of them bringing out new stuff. And the, the book looks really cool as well. That'd be cool just to flick through every yeah, once definitely. in a while. Yeah. What, what else caught your eye on the front of that? Just like a, a quick, like what's the number one thing on there that caught your eye? We could spend like an entire episode on this, but 30 second job, what, what caught your eye? Uh, well, the main character, which I assume is one of the Knights of Ren, we don't know which one yet, but the weapon that he's got looks very cool. The Vibro Sky, the Vibro Scythe Blade. Is it Scythe? Yeah, Vibro Scythe yeah. Blade. That looks very cool. And also the uh, the Blast, the um, uh, the Energy Bow. That looks very cool. 
Yeah, that does look cool, doesn't it? That's like a. Uh, I was I was saying off air earlier. I've just been playing Gears of War. And I know your your kiddo has as well, and and that's like the the old uh, bowcaster, not the bowcaster, the vibro thing out of that. What's it called? I forget what it's called. But like they are like a badass weapon where they fire this explosive dart, this arrow, and you just think that is cool. So if it's anything like that, that'll be sweet. But the Knight of Ren interested me because he's he obviously he's got the scythe. Well, it's a vibro blade, which we know is not. It's not any weapon that's any, you know, it's not got any particular significance of vibroblade. They've been in, in all sorts of literature and media before. What they don't have is a kyber powered weapon. Mm. This is true. Interesting. Mm. So are they a little bit more like the Inquisitors, like we maybe alluded to in a couple of episodes past? Mm. Uh, we shall see. But yeah, I think that's a good choice, dude. I think that that would stand out for me as well. Mm. Very cool. Uh, moving on. We have uh, a little teaser that this has been doing arounds on on the socials for a, uh, for a week now, and it's a very cool little snippet from Kevin Smith, who got invited to the set of the Rise of Skywalker by JJ himself over in where do they do it these days? Is it still uh, Shepparton? Uh, no, where do they do it these days? Whatever Pine, studio is it? Pinewood, Danny Pinewood, Danny Landon, mate. Uh, Pinewood, I think so, mate. Yeah, down there yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got your Star Wars down there. You got your James Bond down there. You got all that stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, they got Potter. the James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So JJ invited Kevin Smith down as like a, you know, I know you're a huge fan. Come and check out what we've got going on. What he didn't expect to see, or actually, more appropriately, what he didn't see in the end was the set that they had constructed there. And a bunch of crew members said to him, look, this really cool set, come and have a look. Uh, and he was advised by JJ himself, look, dude, you do not want to go and see this set because it's the final shot, the final scene in the film and of the entire saga. And to quote JJ himself, he said, it will melt your mind. So Kevin Smith being a good boy, uh, took JJ's advice and was like, okay, dude, you know, I'll, I'll play the game, I'll toe the line, and I'll wait to see it. Because JJ did say, look, it's such a massive spoiler. Even if you just see the set, it'll be a massive spoiler. So, you know, don't do it. Wait until you see the film. So he was like, okay, cool. I'll um, I'll play along for now. So uh, would you be able to resist? I, this is a tough one. Because if this was the final shot, then just your, your brain just starts immediately ticking over all of the ideas that you have. Like, what's the final frame? Where is it? Who is it? Uh, could you resist this dude i'm not so sure it's a tight one man it's mm -hmm. a tight one like every bone in my body would want to see it and then i would completely oppose myself by saying you're going to ruin the rest of the film but just that satisfaction of knowing <laughs> like we all know the titanic sinks but look how much money that made you know <laughs> it's fine we know the ending but it's, I, I don't know, dude. I, 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 but I do think maybe I would just protect myself and still not do it. Maybe I would be, uh, I, I don't know, man, I flip-flop. I think I would. I think I'd, I think I'd avoid it. But let's be honest as well, Kevin Smith, right? The words melt your mind coming from Kevin Smith. This is a guy who I have never seen give a bad review to anything. <laughs> like, he, he could open a crisp packet and say it was the best opening night ever. He, he would literally, he loves everything. He's so passionate about story and character and um, in particular the stuff that he's nostalgic about. So I've, I'm sure it's a stunning shot. But for Kevin Smith to say anything other than it will melt your mind, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be shocked about anyway. You know, he's just that guy, isn't he? 
He is, yeah. I think he's um, he's a strange one, Kevin Smith, because he's he's embedded within so many people within Hollywood. He, he, he's not like a Hollywood machine guy, is he? He doesn't bring out... He's not the director you go to for the big blockbusters and stuff. He's not like... Uh, who, who these days like people like JJ or Kevin Favreau or those sorts of guys, but he does, he is in there with that crowd, so to speak. So he kind of, he dips in and out, but at the same time, yeah, it's, I kind of get what you're saying because he's so passionate about all of it. You, you take it with a pinch of salt almost, don't you? Because you feel like, okay, well, we know, you know what you're talking about because you've, you've been involved with these things, you know? So and he knows how film works. He knows our story, all that stuff. So, yeah, it's a bit like, you know, would if, if he saw it, if he did go in and have a look at the set and he was exposed to all that stuff, would he then be like, ah, it's not very good? Or would he be like, it's so amazing? You, would he jump on the hype train and try and sell the film because his buddy JJ invited him to? Or would he be honest and be like, yeah, it's not that great, mate? You know, I was expecting It's Kevin Smith, man. He would cry. And then he'd swear a lot. He would say it was absolutely amazing. And then he would still say it will melt your mind. Yeah, get Jason Mewes on the phone. Dude, you're not going to believe it. And then they'd do a podcast about it. And then they would do a TV show about it. And then they would do a reboot about it. And then they would do a book about it. And then they'd do a trailer for the book about the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, standard stuff. And then, yeah, like you said. It's good to uh, see. (laughs) Probably put Audible up there. (laughs) Uh, it's good to see, though. It's good to see that the film is getting a lot of buzz behind the scenes, not just, you know, um, story-focused that we as fans can latch on stuff. It's good that behind-the-scenes little nuggets are coming through from people other than just, like, you know, Joe Bloggs on the street. Somebody like Kevin Smith yeah. is excited. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it is, man. And I think he's, you know, he's a fan like we are. I think that's the only thing about Kevin Smith, that that guy's a fan first and a writer and a critic and an industry insider second. So... I think if he loves it, it's like he's in our camp, you and me. You know, he's like, if, if he's getting the old tingles, we'll be getting the old tingles. So, yeah, it does bode well. Yeah. And when you do see something amazing to do with Star Wars, your balls do tingle just for like three seconds. And then you get that, yeah, this is going to be good. Mm, oh, to have that feeling for just the three seconds. Don't get it at my age anymore. <sighs> It's been like on a roller coaster, you know, when you go really, you know, get the dip when you go really fast mm. downwards, and then you get that little just couple of seconds where your balls tingle. Similar feeling, dude. They uh, they wouldn't let me back in Alton Towers actually because of that. But that's another story for another podcast. Another one. Uh, <laughs> a couple of nuggets left to do. This is OT stuff. Very very cool. Blast from the past. This one cracked me up because uh, the first one is back in the days of A New Hope when they were all out in Tunisia filming the Tatooine stuff, it was hot. I'm talking like, like you can't even imagine. Like we had a heat wave here in the UK last week and it was like 34 degrees. That's like in the shade temperature compared to like the height of of summer in Tunisia. And uh, as a result, a lot of the crew members were topless. They had, you know, shorts and stuff on. There was one guy though. And he literally stripped down to the tightest little pink shorts. And I remember seeing this guy because there's a really cool documentary that I love to watch every now and then. It's one of my favorite documentaries. It's called uh, the M- it's called Empire of Dreams, the making of the Star Wars trilogy. And it's a freaking awesome. It goes into tons of detail, especially um, for A New Hope. And I remember seeing this guy in the, 
in the um in a couple of scenes when they're out in Tunisia, and it's uh, it's the the sound guy. He's, he's he's holding up the the long boom um microphone, and it's the scene where Luke, Obi Wan, and the droids have just arrived at Mos Eisley, and they're looking to find a smuggler to take them off. So they park up in the little land speeder, and uh, you've got the the sound guy. Now it might sound irrelevant, but this guy has almost formed his own character within the Star Wars universe. And I first noticed this about a year or two years ago when I started seeing pictures coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. There was actually cosplayers cosplaying as this guy. And I thought it was completely random, but completely hilarious at the same time. And a few of them nailed it as well. They got the tight little pink shorts, the boots on. They've even purchased like proper sound boom mics as well. It's so cool. But um, one of the um, uh, news channels over in the US, or ABC, actually tracked the guy down in London. He lives in London. He's 90 years old. And they've, <laughs> they've kind of tried to... I, I read the interview uh, earlier on, and they've, they've tried to pick his brain and dive into his mind a little bit about the making of, you know, what did, what did you do while you were there? Any gossip, all that stuff. And this guy is just like a, like a typical old Londoner guy now. He just lives a pint in the afternoon, doesn't really want to talk about stuff. He's had a pretty good career. He's, he's been the, the Mike guy for, for a ton of, of big films, and he retired recently. And uh, yeah, his name is um, uh, Ken Nightingale. And his name, the reason why his name's important is because his name doesn't appear in the credits. So he wasn't even included in the, as the crew, as you know, one of the crew members in the film. But it's great that even some, I mean, this is just Star Wars in a, in a nutshell, even somebody who you would think is so inconsequential as the guy in the pink shorts who was holding up the mic is now like a celebrity and people are cosplaying as him at Comic-Con and so on. And some of those pictures from Comic-Con are so funny. So I think if I don't know about you, but I've not cosplayed at a, at a convention yet. This could be the one. This could be it. I would definitely need to get down the gym, lose a bit of, you know, lose a bit of weight. But uh, fair play to Ken. You know, he's he's his ass has took a, 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 a on a life of its own. You know, his ass is a cosplay king of San Diego Comic Con. Fair play. You just don't expect that. And I think you you nailed it when you said this is so typical of Star Wars. You know, it's back to the blue milk thing, isn't it? It's like, ah, we'll throw that thing in there. Here's a random inconsequential thing that may or may not have happened. And, oh, 50 years later, what is going on? What is going on? And that speaks to the fandom, doesn't it? I think that's why it's such a... Um, you get that with Trekkies as well, you know, those those little things where you get it and in and it becomes this like a little in joke. You know, it's like the little slogan that goes on a t shirt that someone else would think is just a passing statement, but someone else would see it and be like, Wait a second, that's from that's from Alien. And you know, it's one of those, isn't it? It's that little if you got it, you got it. So yeah, fair play to Ken on that one. And I'm imagining him just sat there. You know, what was it like in the making of Star Wars? And he's, you know, yeah, do you know what? Just, just give me the poke scratchings. Yeah, just, when's the, when's the check coming through for this? You know, you can imagine him just not wanting to talk about that. Um, but I wonder how he feels about it. I wonder how he feels about being just this kind of, this, this massive part of something so big. Like, he's vital. If he's the boom guy, he's vital. I just wonder how his life has been shaped by that, you know, whether it has or whether it hasn't. Like, is that just a job to him or did he did he benefit from being the boom gown star? I don't know. That just that would be really interesting to sit down with him about. Yeah. I mean, apparently he did he did pick up um, 
because they won an Oscar for Best Sound because A New Hope picked up a ton of Oscars. And so he went off to Buckingham Palace and had his, you know, had his day, I suppose, and recognition and all that. But after that, he just went back to just being one of the sound, like one of the, the mic guys. And I think he's done uh, some Bond flicks. He's done some other films, you know, nothing, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see him again in anything. You wouldn't hear his name. You wouldn't see him. He's just had that little, little pocket of that little moment. And then back to, back to the job. But you're absolutely right. Though. He, he just strikes me looking at the pictures in the interview and stuff. He just strikes me as that guy that was like, yeah. Cause when he was making the film uh, with everyone else, he did say that, that he thought it was a load of crap like him and a load of other crew members thought this is absolutely shit. <laughs> what are we doing here? There's like p- people pretending they're flying in ships. There's like giant monkeys walking around. Everybody thought it was a waste of time, but there you go. I love that. I love that. Love it. Yeah. And then the other bit of nugget that's come through, uh, which is also, um, uh, on that documentary that I mentioned. I'm going to mention it a couple more times before the end of the show, I'm sure. Uh, Go and watch it if you haven't watched it yet. Empire of Dreams. Uh, So Mark Hamill on his Twitter has said, uh, or has um, put a little video on there, a little uh, behind the scenes of uh, the first day that he ever met Harrison Ford, which is when the two of them did a screen test. So that they haven't even got the part yet. This is just George Lucas going through tons of, of, of actors for the part. So this is the audition phase and they had the camera there and they did a very small scene, which I, I don't think it even ended up in the film, but it was just a, some rough dialogue that these characters would say. And, um, yeah. And it's, it's very, um, it's very telling that these two guys, because I think back at, back in the day, George Lucas was very keen to cast people that weren't big screen actors. He wanted almost nobodies. And uh, we all know that Harrison Ford was like a part-time actor. He was a carpenter and just, he wasn't even considered for the part of Han Solo. George had already said, look, you were in American Graffiti. I want to cast people that have literally had no screen time. So you can't be in it. But then he was so good during these screen tests. They were like, look, just cast this guy. He's really good. But then Mark Hamill's doing his little thing as well. And it's such a wonderful little, little time bubble where you've got these guys who at this point in time, nobody knew who they were apart from Harrison Ford a little bit. People had you know, gauged him a little bit from American graffiti, but certainly Mark Hamill, they had no clue who this guy was. And then two years later, he's like you know, household name. It's amazing. I think you, you nailed it right on the head there when you said a little time bubble, because it really, really is. I'm always amazed by these pre screening kind of not just I don't want to this is why I'm not saying the screen test because it's the whole pre-screening flow like obviously everything from audition like the audition stuff is great but I'm always fascinated by the stuff that happens after that like so the interactions yes the screen tests but also like how the script might change based on a character's personality and just how they might impact the movie like the Terminator you know if, if, if you, I think um, Henriksen Lance Henriksen was he was intended to be the Terminator you know and then suddenly Arnie comes in and it's a totally different film uh, because uh, come on come on now do it <laughs> <laughs> that grunt was weird but I liked it that's back to the uh, Alton Towers story we'll get to that but <laughs> <laughs> that that whole process it amazes me because yeah. like I think how we've perceived the films is is often just 
shaped so much by the fact that these characters are made for it. And I think that shines through in, in Hamill and, and Harrison Ford here. I mean, like Harrison Ford is, is intended by whatever powers exist outside of our control to be Han Solo. Like mm-hmm. there is no one that could have done that better with that swagger and everything that went with it. And you, you just think to yourself, how did that affect Leia, the character of Luke, how did that affect the Chewie relationship? Because a lot of that just won't have been there without Han's charisma. And just to see that, like you said, that little time bubble, it just makes you understand that, you know what, some people have just got that. They've just got it. And that Harrison Ford there is just one of those guys. He's fantastic in it. It really is just so natural. Gutted for Lance Henriksen, though. I feel bad for the guy because when he turned up to do his audition, he dressed up as the Terminator. Like he, a tin a tin foil and two laser pens for eyes. <laughs> well, apparently he dressed up in like the big leather jacket and and stuff, you know, because he'd read the script and the scene where what is it when the Terminator turns up at the police station and wastes everybody, mm-hmm. and you know, so he turned up in that that outfit, you know, and and they were just like, oh, this is going to be really awkward, mate. But yeah, just you know, you haven't got it. I know you've made the like the only actor that's turned up because you thought you've got it, but oh. Got gutted for that guy. But. I hope you've still got the label on the back of that leather jacket. Uh, imagine that, though. I don't think he'd have been... Again, this is like back to how it's shaped. You imagine that, like Lance Henriksen walking in and being like, yeah, yeah, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, yeah. well, you know, come back anytime, mate. That'll be fine. It'll yeah. be great to see you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. What, what are you drinking? What do you drink? Yeah. <laughs> some nuts as well. Bowling nuts. You'll yeah, although I bet Robert Patrick was like that. Like if Robert Patrick you know, came in and walked into your building at age 23, 24, and he's all slim and skinny. Then he puts the T-1000 mindset on, and you're like, yeah, all right, mate, you're a lot harder than I am. You, that's <laughs> all right. You stay over there, dude. So, you know, looks can be deceiving, I guess. Indeed. Yeah. Welcome to the Terminator podcast, Spark of the Future. Spark of the Future. Uh, Classic. Right. That's it for news. We should crash on with that. <laughs> We should Get to do the a review. Review and discussion. Come on. <laughs> Great. Right. Review and discussion. Uh, the Rise of Skywalkers. Rumoured force fights is touching on what we've seen in The Last Jedi. And these are apparently called force flash fights. And to me, this sounds like a heavy rain has set in. It sounds like flash flooding via the force. And essentially, you know, in the... The, the Last Jedi, when Rey and Kylo were kind of having this mental force-off, the best way I can describe it, where they're connected in some way through the force and they can see each other, they can communicate, all that jazz. Apparently, we're going to be having some kick-ass fights using this method in The Rise of Skywalker. Now, this is, I say apparently, this is, again, just a little bit of rumour. This is nothing confirmed by Disney or JJ, but... Uh, this has come to light via, uh, again, a book that's um, going to be coming out. They always do these, the art of very popular books these days, especially with Star Wars. And the one that's going to be released to coincide with the film uh, apparently uh, has seen, there's like an image uh, in the book where we see Ray and Kylo kind of battling each other with lightsabers, but they're not in the same uh, physical space like you know there's a sort of mirror image almost of the two of them and this kind of i can't this is 
it does seem very cool to me. And it's almost like they're taking what we know about the force already. They've built upon that a little bit with Ryan Johnson's view of what this stuff is about. And they've now thought, you know, this is very cool. You know, we like this whole, we can talk to each other via the force and all that. Like, why don't we ratchet up a little bit and let's have a full on battle? Because we, we saw that at the end where Luke was doing that, wasn't he? He was in another location somewhere and like almost meditating through the force. And he projected himself into that space where Kylo Ren was and they, they had a big kind of pseudo battle. So now they're going to, they're going to do this between Ray and Kylo, apparently. Now, is this too much? Do you think if this is real, do you think that the force should be kept sort of in check, so to speak, it shouldn't be used as a, as, as a big sort of mechanism, just to have a, a kick-ass fight. Shouldn't they just really be in the same space to have a proper lightsaber fight? Or do you think actually, yeah, we, we we don't know enough about the force. Let's let's give people a bit more, you know, a, a bit another tool if you like that they can use. What do you reckon, dude? Yeah, it's a good question. It's something that I've pon- I've pondered for a while since I, I saw this story, and I'm I'm sort of again a little bit half and half, which I know is entirely non-committal. But there's half of me that, that's saying to myself, "Well, wait a second, actually, this is just one of those little kind of MacGuffins, or it's a little kind of plot point to sell toys, or to make it extra cool, or to make the posters look cool, or to just make this movie stand out against the others, because it's, oh, that's the first one where we saw this. And you're like, hmm, all right, fair enough. And it's been rumoured that this, and again, this is this is with a huge pinch of salt, it's been rumoured that these, these force fights, these flash fights, will bounce also around through time so like when you play Mortal Kombat and you get to choose a background you get to choose a stage or you know you get to play with Ryu and Ken on Street Fighter but you're playing on Guile's airstrip you know it's kind of <laughs> like Kylo and Ren and uh, Kylo and Ren Kylo Ren and Rey will theoretically be bouncing around to Mustafar from the prequel trilogy era to the Jedi Temple to you know maybe Endor and you just like that sounds cool for about half a second and you think ah that's just a way to get fans going. Guess what? Look, that's Endor. It all links together. It's just feeling lazy. However, the other side of me does think, hmm, the Force is surely just something that, and this is from a, a pure like kind of mythology perspective, the Force is probably something that requires a little creativity to get to grips with. And there's a reason I'm sure that the Sith can produce lightning and the Jedi don't. And it's mainly, it's the choice. It's got to be just a choice. And Subscription. Subscription, yeah, it, it will be. A bloody lightning flicks. You know what I mean? 4 99 <laughs> a month, 4K <laughs> HD, 6 And it's. I, I just think it's one of those things where it could be quite interesting if it's proven that these, these force-wielding entities are more creative with it or they have a requirement that requires them to get more creative and I think that would be cool if you can show a natural evolution but if it's just oh guess what by the way we can like the force now does this and oh yeah and then yeah yeah so we're just going to bring all you know we wanted to tie all the prequel stuff together we're just going to kind of do it like this as a bit of fan service and look at that that's that's you having for ah, I don't want to see that I've seen you having for we don't, there's no need so I, I hope it's I hope it's the, 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 the more creative version. I hope it's not used lazily, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That That's my fear as well, that they're going to use this as a way of, 
Um, they're going to use it as a way of trying to make these next level fights, like take them up to an, to another level. Now, I'm, I'm a bit of a purist, I'll admit. I think there's nothing wrong with just having a good old fashioned, because those were some of the coolest bits in the other Star Wars movies where Luke and Vader face off against each other or when Obi-Wan turns up on Mustafar. Uh, is it Mustafar? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, in episode three. And they had that wicked, that's such a sick thing. And then I also quite like the fact that the Force is shrouded in this mystery a little bit. Do you know what I mean? I, I quite like that we don't know much about it. It's really down to those practitioners who either choose to go light or dark and then they explore those avenues and learn those powers and stuff. We don't need to see it visually all the time. So I'm fearful that it's going to be there for the sake of being there because everyone chatted about it. And it wasn't it wasn't always good chatter either from The Last Jedi. It was always why because it almost got a bit cringy for a while, you know, when Kylo was topless and she made that comment and all that, st- you know, it, I don't know. It, it has the potential to be amazing. I, I think it's on a knife edge. I think this stuff has the potential to be amazing if it's done well, but it could fall on its ass and just be like, oh, no, we're not watching Rise of Skywalker. Oh, no, not that one with the terrible force flash fights and all that. So here's hoping, man. I'm, we trust in JJ, though, let's be honest. The Force Awakens wasn't that bad. No, in fact, it no, was very no. good. Yeah, we trust in JJ. He's one of the guys that will. will I think he he understands storytelling a lot better than many other. Di- you know, it's not he's not Michael Bay, is he? So I think we're all right. I think we're good. I think we're good. Lens yeah. flare. Yeah. So there you go. Flash fights. Flash force. Force flash fights. Potentially coming to the rise of. We don't know a huge amount at the moment. This is only rumored, like we said but it has appeared in a few images from this book. So I'm sure we'll have a bit more chat as we know more about that. Flash force fight. Flash force. Fight. (laughs) Very good. Uh, Let's finish up then with our random spotlight. Uh, I wanted to follow up on some lightsaber stuff because last week's chat was good where we spoke about Mace Windu's purple lightsaber. Uh, So I wanted to pick up on another unique lightsaber because... um, Actually, let me correct myself. Another, like, they're all unique in a way, but one of the things that you'll find with a lot of lightsabers from well-known characters like Luke, Darth Vader, uh, those, they, their lightsabers are all a very similar shape. You know, they're all this straight cylindrical. Um, I don't know where they get their lathes from, though. It's like there's a, like, a workshop somewhere, like a Watto's sort of thing. You just turn up and you've got like a, a chrome or metal cylinder, you stick it on a lathe, and there you go, you can just, anyway. Uh, but Count Dooku's lightsaber is a very unique shape. It's It looks really badass. It's got this kind of nice angle curve to it, and it's got this uh, this kind of like hook, spiky thing that's, that comes out the top as well. So it's got this really cool, badass, chrome, shiny metal sort of thing to it. It's got these sort of extra grippy black bits on it and then it curves around at the edge and uh yeah it's just a very unique shape and um i don't think there's any particular storyline around why it's this this shape uh because when we spoke about mace windu's lightsaber uh, we were talking more about the color and that was to do with the kyber crystal and potentially some of his leaning towards the dark side and so on whereas this one we know very well 
already that Dooku was a was a, a Jedi master, but then he turned to the dark side and created this new lightsaber. And the Kyber crystal obviously emitted the red blade because he's a he's a Sith and all the rest of it. So it's not much about the color. We know it's red. It's more about the actual shape of the lightsaber, dude. It just looks. I love Dooku's lightsaber. It looks awesome. It's very elegant, isn't it? And I think in this Dooku book, it's actually referenced. He has a bit of a duel with one of the uh, one of the masters. I can't remember who it is. Um, I forget the name. It just escapes me. But it's a master that he believes is um, up to no good. And he, even while he's just a, I don't even think he might be a Padawan, if not an initiate. And he uh, he basically challenges this this Jedi Master to a duel, and and she even says there's a word for it to do with the hilt being curved, and right. she says, oh, it's a X. I've not seen that for a long time, and you know it's that elegance and stuff. But apparently, it, this is interesting me as well because on the Dooku cover for the book Jedi Lost, it is the same lightsaber and it's blue, and it actually says it on on fandom Star Wars fandom. It's the same lightsaber. And the crystal just turns red. So he either puts another crystal in it or he turns it with the dark side and bleeds the crystal. Um, because he he refactored the lightsaber, apparently, after he was a Padawan. And again, I think this may be referenced somewhere. But it's a different lightsaber to the one that he has when he's a Padawan. He rebuilds it whilst he's still a Jedi. Ah. And then takes it with him when he's, uh, when he's off on his travels to the, to the Sithdom. Um, and apparently the creators and the writers... I think they were researching the law of the Sith, you know, the kind of villains and so on, and they came up with it based on Filipino. This is again from fandom. Came a bit uh, up with it from the Filipino sword, the Barong, and, and 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 drew inspiration from a lot of these much more elegant, much more fluid, um, you know, Eskrima style kind of um, movements. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it came from. And it's uh, it really is kick ass, though, dude. It really is. It, it's very distinctive. And like you say, you can see that the characterization of this device, of this this weapon, has had the thought from a warrior in there. Like you said, it's got the grip on there, it's got the flow, it's got the handle, um, it's got the little spiky doofer thing on the top of it. Like it's had thought, mm-hmm. hasn't it? You know, it's been designed by a warrior sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's it's definitely unique because I, I other than Darth Maul's lightsaber, which was the double-sided one, I don't know of any other lightsabers that have got this really elegant, it, it, it's almost like it was done thousands of years before all of the other lightsabers in the same time period in the prequels or the original trilogy. It looks like an ancient kind of, like a real badass Jedi or Sith made it like thousands of years ago. It just has a really cool touch and you can almost see it. If you if you select Dooku in Battlefront 2, you can almost see the shape quite clearly in his hand as you're legging around and chopping people up. And uh, yeah, man, I just, it's a really cool, I love to, I could talk about lightsabers all day. We both could. Um, but yeah, Count Dooku's uh, lightsaber, very, very cool. I wonder if you, I'm sure you can pick this up as a prop. Yeah. Might have to look into this. I've got a couple that need to go up on the wall. I've got Luke and Vader's, but I think Dooku's one would be a really cool, a really cool addition. Yeah, good yeah. shout, man. That's that's well worth a look. It, but that's a good choice for the random spotlight as well. And uh, to wrap that one up, apparently after his beheading at the hands of one Anakin Skywalker, the lightsaber was left in the possession of General Grievous in his quarters on the Invisible Hand, which was the ship uh-huh. from Attack of the Clones. Uh, was it Attack of the Clones? Revenge of the Sith, sorry. Yeah. So that, that is the whereabouts of Dooku's lightsaber. I see, so it could pop up again. 
Baby, baby. Yeah. I think we'll stick a pin in it there, dude, for episode 17. It's been fantastic talking about Star Wars with you. Once again, buddy, some really cool uh, pieces of news there. We seem to be getting loads of news through at the minute, so we're going to try and pick out the most relevant bits and stuff that's warranted to talk about. We might even throw some of this stuff into um, uh, another show or whatever. Anything that we can get some more conversation going, whatever it might be, there's just tons to go through at the minute. So, um, yeah, it's been great having you guys on board again. Thank you very much for uh, listening to us. Um, remember to um, give us a subscription and a, a rating and a review on whatever podcast app you listen to podcasts. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. We'll be on there somewhere. And remember to check us out on all of the social networks. Just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. Uh, you'll find us there. We, um, we post lots of little Star Wars tidbits and chat throughout the week in between shows. So jump on there and get involved. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion. You can uh, get involved from a dollar upwards. There are various tiers there. And you can check out, you can get some swag, you can get producer credits on the show, you can get involved. Uh, one of our patrons, uh, Tom Tate, uh, also uh, he was involved a little while ago talking about Star Wars video games. Go and check that out. That was back in episode 15. Uh, so you could come on as well. You could pick our random spotlight and do all that stuff. Uh, until then, until next week for episode 18, uh, my name's Gary. And I have been Mr. Mark Asquith. Great. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Was that an Annie impression? Come on. (laughs) I was being all all nice and like Count Dooku-y. And you Annie me. I love that. Do the Dooku. I can't do it now. You've put me off. Go on. What if I just do Annie instead? Come on. Come on. Great. Come on. (laughs) That that grunt is freaking me out, man. Uh, all right cool we'll see you next week until then have a great week and may the force be with you always <laughs>